Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Picking Up Rubber. I am your host, Justin Russo, and today we're going to go over the sort of America's section of the F1 calendar that's taken place in the last few races. We had the US GP, the Mexico City GP, and the Sao Paulo GP that took place just a few days ago. There's a lot to recap, a lot to recover, and we're just going to start jumping right into it. So first, let's look at what happened a few weeks ago now back at the US GP. Obviously, Max Verstappen picks up another win in not as dominant of a fashion as he typically you know, has on the track. He had to work for this one. It was a quite a wild race. Starts out turn one. We have Carlos Sainz on pole, first of all, so that makes it tough for Max Verstappen already. He's got to get through a couple guys due to his engine penalty. And right away, Max Verstappen is gifted uh, space, essentially, as George Russell just punts Carlos Sainz out of the way in turn one. Sainz goes from pole to out of the race right away. And Russell gets a penalty for it. I think it was five-second penalty. and doesn't really do much for Carlos Sainz at that point. You're out of the race. So George Russell continues on his merry way. But then things start to heat up. You get Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, Charles Leclerc are all sort of kind of in a battle for the lead, battle for the top couple of places. And with a few safety cars in the mix, it ends up being Max Verstappen having to chase down Lewis Hamilton in, in the final laps. And after, you know, we had one safety car, Valtteri Bottas goes off, creates a great opportunity for Charles Leclerc, who had been out extending his stint, gets a free pit stop, gets great track position, gets to pick up a few spots off of that. Then we have an insane restart where Fernando Alonso goes flying through the air on the back straightaway uh, in his battle against Lance Stroll, who... We're definitely going to get to because Lance Stroll has been in the center of a lot of controversies the past few weeks, and his driving hasn't been that that clean. But Alonso gets into that incident. We have another safety car. A lot of things happen. Essentially, it ends up being Max Verstappen having to battle through both Leclerc and Hamilton to get the win. He had a, Max had a slow pit stop. He came into the pits ahead of Charles Leclerc with about 15, 16 laps to go on their last pit stops. Just a terrible stop. Took about 10, 11 seconds. He has to watch Charles Leclerc go into the pits in front of him and leave in front of him. So now he's got to get past Charles. He's furious with the team, but he keeps pushing on. They have a great battle at turn one where Charles is able to do a switch back and prevent Max from taking the position. But of course, the Red Bull just had too much pace and he eventually got past Charles. And then it was kind of a waiting game. It's kind of what we saw. It makes me think back, back to France last year, the French GP where Max pitted for an extra set of tires late, and he just had to hunt down Lewis Hamilton, and you're just watching that lap ticker go down and down and down, and you're thinking, is he going to get him? Is he going to get him? And same thing happened here. Max's car, just too fast for the Mercedes, ends up catching up to Lewis, and once he gets into that DRS, I mean, it's it was over. He was able to breeze right past Lewis Hamilton. It was unfortunate. You know, obviously Lewis is trying to extend that streak. He's got to win every season that he's been in Formula One. Yet to get that win. So far in 2022, only one race left. A little spoiler, I guess, for the next couple of races. But Lewis still looking for that win. Max able to claim it off of him, and he wins a pretty crazy USGP. And as I mentioned, that Alonso and Stroll crash, crash. Fernando Alonso and Stroll coming down the back straightaway off of a restart. Alonso goes to the left of Lance Stroll, trying to get to position on the back straight. Stroll, extremely bad move with... Fernando Alonso already to his left. He goes left as well, totally dirty, and he causes Fernando's car to go flying through the air. Basically, a wheelie. You don't see that very often. Fernando does a wheelie on the back straight. Somehow, Fernando was able to keep going, and I give him a ton of credit for that. Stroll was out of the race. He had rear suspension damage. No way he was going to keep going. Uh, Fernando, God bless him. He was able to get the car back to the pitch. They repaired it. They got a new front wing on it, and he finishes seventh in the race. And 
that's got to be exciting if you're Aston Martin. Maybe not great. Those two are going to be teammates next year, so hopefully they can bury the hatchet and resolve any issues that they have. But if you're Aston Martin, that's exactly what you want in your new driver and Fernando Alonso, right? You want a guy that's going to be able to fight back and give you strong results. A veteran guy, kind of what they have in Sebastian Vettel this year. They're going with the same formula and getting Alonso, who's an older guy, a veteran, who can really carry the team and be consistent on a week-to-week basis. And for Alonso... Huge for him, too, because he's had so many issues this year where the car just fails him. He's in a good spot, the car dies, and he's just back to square one. He's on the side of the road, and there's nothing he can do. And Looking at the the driver's standings I have right here, too, he's ninth in the driver's standings, five points behind his teammate Esteban Ocon. No shot he should be behind his teammate. I mean, his car has failed him so many times this year. He should be well ahead of Esteban by this point. That's just the way it goes. I mean, they have the same car. You'd think it would be fine, but just the luck has not been on Fernando Alonso's side so far. So... Yeah, a great race for Alonso. Max picks up another win, and Hamilton gets the podium. Still looking for that win, but he's been picking up podiums very recently. He had a ton of them here in the last last few weeks, and he's been going real strong. Uh, so we move on then to the Mexico City GP, and if you missed this race, you did not miss much, I promise you. It was a about as straightforward as a Max Verstappen victory you could have got. He picks up win number 15 on the year, extending his all-time record most wins in a single season i mean he essentially dominated the race there was really nothing to it he got once he got to turn one and he was ahead of both mercedes who started second and third in the race he knew it was going to be kind of tough for them they just really didn't have the pace mexico city is always a strong track for red bull for whatever reason that red bull engine at high altitudes be it mexico city brazil austria it always runs strong there and again, Mexico City provided them another great opportunity. They ran really strong there. Max picks up the win. Hamilton second. Checo gets another podium, which was great to see in, in his home country of Mexico. So that was awesome. But not much happened. Um, you know, a couple little incidents here and there. The main one being Daniel Ricardo, who crashed with Yuki Sonoda. It was kind of a clumsy move by Ricardo. That kind of double right turn six that they have in one of the slower sections of Mexico. He just kind of sent a dive bomb down there and. Sonoda was, was not expecting him. It's not really a place you can try to overtake, but you get the sense that Ricardo was probably a little frustrated in the race, dove down the inside, took Sonoda out of the race. He was able to continue. He got a penalty for it, but that was one of the few times that we saw Daniel Ricardo in the McLaren actually just full steam ahead. He looked awesome in the late stages of that race. I think there was only about 20 laps to go when that incident happened, but he more than made up for it. And as Ricardo has said before on the radio, when he gets a penalty, and I'll just drive faster. And that's exactly what he did. He just drove faster. So maybe the secret is Daniel Ricciardo. You just got to slap a 10-second penalty on him before the race, and he just goes really fast. That's certainly what happened in Mexico. So kudos to him. It was one of the better races that he's had. And can't say much more about that. Obviously, he's not going to be in that seat next year. It's going to be Oscar Piastri. Still waiting to see where Ricciardo ends up. Have rumors that uh, he might go to Red Bull as a reserve driver. There's been rumors floated about him as a reserve driver at a couple of teams. So... We'll see where, where he ends up, and we'll see how that, that all shakes out. But the main thing that we need to talk about is the Sao Paulo GP that just took place this past weekend. And Oh, my God, that was that, that weekend was a year compressed into one, it felt like, especially with the sprint race. We got two races, got a crazy qualifying. It was just so much to unpack. It felt like from day to day, from Friday you were focusing on one thing, and then Saturday hit, and it was a completely new storyline, and then Sunday hit, and there was just so many things that happened in the race. It was, it was hard to keep track of. But let's start out on Friday. We have qualifying. Obviously, sprint weekend. Qualifying is going to be on Friday. 
Who would have thought? If you had Kevin Magnuson on pole position, you are a very rich person right now. Kevin Magnuson takes the pole on Friday. One of the craziest things I've ever seen. Comes down to Q3. Magnuson has been strong all day. Makes a lot of, puts in a lot of great laps. Q1, he had a great lap. I think it put him into the top five. Got his time deleted. Went back and just did it again. He got right back out of Q1. Great effort to get out of Q2. Haas looked, well, I won't say Haas looked really good. Make Schumacher qualified 20th. But his Haas looked really good. He was able to get into Q3. It was an interesting situation in Q3. In Q1, we had a wet track that was drying up. And it was resulting in, you know, whoever's last on the track is going to get a really good time here. In Q3, it was the opposite. It was, <coughs> excuse me, we have a really dry track and the rain is coming. So you got to get your lap in and you got to get it in now. And Haas did a great job. Obviously, they're at the end of the pit lane. They got the last garage because they were last in the Constructors' Championship last year. They did a great job of getting Kevin Magnuson right out there, front of the line, got out of the pits first. And had essentially the best conditions as the rain started to come down to put in the best lap. And you would think, you know, even some of the guys behind him, they weren't too far behind him. You look at Max Verstappen, Sainz, Hamilton, they they weren't too far behind him. But just the rain came at the right time, and it was just enough to where he just had the perfect conditions, was able to set a lap. Then the rain started coming in, so you're already thinking, well, who's going to improve their time? But George Russell goes off at turn four. He was in P3 at the moment. He goes off in turn four, delaying the rest of qualifying, and it, the rain just really started pouring down, and you could tell, and Haas could slowly tell that, yeah, he was going to get pole position. You saw Perez and Hamilton, they each went out and, and did a lap just to see if they could maybe improve. It was just way too wet, and, and Haas and Kevin Magnussen were taking pole no matter what. So that was awesome to see him on the top of his car, banging the car. I mean, that it's such a great moment. I mean, how many times – I mean, Formula One's just one of those sports where – you're not going to get many underdogs that do well, let alone win. I mean, winning is, is unheard of. You look at the people that we've had win this year. It's Leclerc in a Ferrari, Sainz in a Ferrari, Verstappen in a Red Bull, Perez in a Red Bull, and George Russell, who ended up winning this race in a Mercedes. No people outside of the top three teams are, have even sniffed a win this year. And that's been the case in, in the last couple of years, right? We've had Ricardo win in Monza. Uh, again, Gasly in 2020 win in Monza. It's not completely unheard of but those two races it took such a ridiculous set of circumstances for those guys to win including some of the top drivers to be knocked out of contention to where it just does not happen very often and this weekend it was great to see I mean you kind of knew everyone knew right like he's not gonna he's not gonna probably win the race unless something insane happens because over a sprint or over an entire Grand Prix the Haas just does not have the pace to keep up with these top three teams, and that's fine, and I think they knew that. But you got to celebrate every victory, right? I mean, how how often at Haas do you get to celebrate points finishes, let alone pole positions or podiums? It's just – it does not happen very often. So it was great to see him on pole position. And, of course, he was out of Formula 1 last year. He gets the late call after Mazepin is removed from the seat. Just, they kind of just throw him in the car, and he does, does great this year. You know, he basically obviously outperformed Mick Schumacher – He's been right back to where he left, essentially. Just a solid veteran driver. Maybe not in the best car, but he's doing the most that he can with the car. And it was just great to see for him. Great guy. And I think they said the 24th different country to be on pole position with him from Denmark. So another great stat there for all, all those people back in Denmark. But that was just Friday. And we're not even done with Friday. First of all, we have we got to talk about Ferrari, right? It's a joke at this point. I mean, for, everybody knows Ferrari's the butt of every joke. 
10 cars in Q3, right? And as I mentioned, everyone's in that line. They're on dry tires, ready to get the last little bit of dry track they can before the rain starts to fall. And then here you have Charles Leclerc on intermediate tires, just sitting there by himself, the only one on the intermediate tires. And he, you tell he like looks around, he, he asks the team, am I the only one on intermediate tires? And they're like, yeah, but we think the rain's going to come. So just, just, you know, we're banking on it raining. You're going to be fine. Of course, he goes out. And the, the weirdest thing is that instead of bringing him right back into the pits and realizing their mistake and saying, okay, let's just get a set of dry tires on right now. We really are pressed for time before this rain comes to try to get a lap in. They just send him out there on the intermediate tires and, and they just let him do a lap on the intermediates where he's obviously slower than everybody else. He was getting passed by like Checo Perez or he was fighting with Checo the whole time because Perez is on dry tires. He's trying to get around Leclerc and he can't because Leclerc is just fighting around on these intermediate tires. So that ruined his lap. And it just down the order. It was just so bad by Ferrari. It, it, you really just wonder what they're doing at this point. And there's really not much more to say about them. We know the dumb mistakes they consistently make. And that's another one this weekend. So thankfully, Carlos Sainz was able to salvage something out of it. He started pretty well. Um, ended up getting a, a solid position for the sprint. He, he was carrying a five-place grid penalty this weekend for uh, a change to his engine. So he knew he was going to start a little behind, but nonetheless did a great job. And Moving on to the sprint, let's talk about it, right? So, obviously, Kevin Magnussen starts on pole. Doesn't really last long. Uh, guys start getting past him pretty quick. He, Max gets past him. Hamilton, Russell, Sainz, Perez. You know, all the top three teams get past him. He kind of settled in nicely right below those top three. I think he was in seventh or eighth. You know, he was kind of chilling there. So, he did a good job of keeping everybody else in the midfield behind him. But, you know, you can't really expect much. He just has no pace compared to those other cars. One of the really... Weird things I noticed, not weird, but one of the things that I noticed, and I'm sure everyone noticed, is, you know, Max was obviously, he started the sprint on the medium tires, and a lot of other people started on the on the soft tires. And, of course, in the sprint race, it's essentially a one-third distance race. Do not have to make a pit stop. You just set, put a set of tires on and go. And whoever's the fastest wins the sprint. They'll get pole position for Sunday. Max was on the medium tires, and maybe the tire wear was just really light, but... You were expecting, okay, maybe at the start, some of those soft tire runners, I believe both Mercedes run the soft, you know, some of those soft tire runners are going to start catching up to Max and then they'll get by him. But he, even in the end of the sprint, where you would expect that pace to come, he just never found it. And there might have been an issue with the car, you know, they were hinting at maybe there was something, some damage, but just did not have the pace to keep up with those other guys in front. And it was really great. George Russell got a great pass on him on, on in the sprint. Turn four, I mean, Russell was slowly catching him, and he had really good pace in that Mercedes, and he ended up getting right by Max, and then that just kind of opened the floodgates. Hamilton got past him. Signs got past him. He ended up finishing all the way down in fourth. I say all the way down in, but for Max, that's a big result, fourth place. So he ended up having George Russell win in a sprint. Signs gets second. Hamilton gets third. Sets up a really good Sunday for Mercedes because Signs is getting that grid penalty, and he drops down to sixth or seventh spot. So... You have a Mercedes front row for the first time this season. You have Max Verstappen right behind. It's a tough call for Mercedes, right? Because ideally, you just want both your guys to go really fast, and you don't want to worry about Max. But of course, with Max right behind you, I mean, you're gonna want to you want to get a win this season. So you're, whoever gets in front of that start, be it George or Lewis, you're gonna just want to protect them from Max and try to do the most you can to maximize that potential and get a win. And that's kind of what they did, but. 
they both had so much pace. Hamilton and Russell were consistently putting in fastest laps. They were the fastest cars on the track. And we'll get into the specifics of the race, but just overall, Mercedes look really fast. They look really good. And they have looked a lot better than they did early in the season. It seems like they've figured out a lot of what they've, you know, essentially got wrong in the early part of the year. And they're carrying a lot of momentum towards 2023. So that's positive to to look at for Mercedes. Um, looking at the race, though, I mean, obviously you get the start. Russell, I mean, gets a great start, not even under pressure from anyone. He was really smooth all day. I mean, there wasn't, there weren't many times where Russell was really under pressure, that he made mistakes, that he looked shaky. I mean, the dude was just consistent the entire time, and you have to give him credit for a guy chasing his first Grand Prix win didn't even look like. I mean, it looked like he had won 50 races already. So, I mean, awesome by him. Lap one, we get Kevin Magnuson out of the race after a pole position on Friday. He goes out of the race. Daniel Ricardo hits him from behind uh, in the second sector, spins him around, and Ricardo tries to evade him. But Magnuson, smartly, I mean, he lets the car kind of roll back into the grass to try to avoid all the rest of the cars. But that's exactly where Ricardo went to try to avoid Magnuson. They hit each other. They're both out of the race. Didn't seem like there was too much of bad, bad blood. Uh, Ricardo's going to face a three-place grid penalty for Abu Dhabi uh, because of that crash. It was essentially his fault all the way, so not much you can really do there. So right on lap one, you already have an incident. Then we get a restart. Uh, lap seven, I believe. It took a little while for them to get, get both the cars out of the way. Lap seven, we get a restart. And this is where things start to just go insane. We have Lewis and Max at turn one. Kind of rekindling what we saw last year and a lot of their battles. So Lewis is, he's on the inside at turn one. Max on the outside. Max carries more speed on the outside just because of the way that, you know, that Senna S, they call it. Um, it's a long left followed by a right. So Max carries more speed into turn one. He's on the outside. He's ahead for a brief moment. And then as they get in and they turn in for turn two, you know, they goes left to right. So they swap positions. Max is now on the inside of turn two. He's alongside Lewis. Lewis is now ahead, but he's alongside Lewis. And Max, you know Max, He's if, if there is any space, he feels he's entitled to it. He went right in there, and he and Lewis collided. Lewis goes wide. Max, I, you know, I think he was able to kind of stay on the track, but they both lose several positions. They each get some damage. Lewis got a lot of floor damage. Max had some serious front wing damage that he had to come replace. It was a tough one. I saw a lot of opinions kind of either way, you know, Max or Lewis's fault. I think it was pretty 50-50. I, I, I don't know. It's a tough one because Max certainly did have some some right to the corner. He was alongside Lewis. Lewis should have given him a little more space. Um, But Max, you know, he always kind of does this where he just dives in and he just wants everything. He just takes all the space, and he doesn't really leave a lot of room. We saw it especially at Monza last year where turn one, you know, they had an incident earlier in the race at the second chicane, and then in turn one again, it was kind of the same incident where he just dives into the inside of the corner, barrels right into Lewis, and essentially if you're Lewis, it's either I have to avoid this crash or I can stay on my line and keep going. And if you're Lewis in this situation, I mean, he, he kind of had the racing line. I, I – I understand what people said when they say, you know, obviously Max was ahead in turn one, but I think that's just kind of the nature of the braking zone. And you could see right as they were getting to turn two when the actual incident happened, Lewis was ahead. Max 
probably was not going to make that corner. He was at such a shallow angle, and he should have just he should have given it up. Uh, that's Max is never going to do that, we know. But I think you know five seconds was probably on the writer side. And I I, I don't even know if I would have given anyone a penalty, but I think with the severity of it, and you know two of the sport's biggest drivers, something had to give. So I understand the penalty they gave, but. Yeah, I mean, just an unfortunate incident. So both of those guys tumble down the order a little bit. And then a couple turns later, Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc going into turn six. And Lando gets a little bit of oversteer, has to correct it. And he goes right into Charles Leclerc and hits his, his wheel. Charles goes off into the barriers. And, and miraculously, I mean, he slammed into that barrier pretty hard. But he hit, I mean, he just hit the front wing. I mean, it hit the front wing almost exactly head on. He's able to spin out of it and keep going. Neither of these incidents resulted in a safety car, by the way. So this whole time, these guys are still going. And all three of them kind of lose a lot of positions. Lewis and Max less so. They they hit each other and didn't really ever come to a stop. They were able to keep going. But Charles, you know, he had to stop. He had to turn around. And, of course, with the field all bunched up, he went right to last place. So not great for Charles. Um, and, and, again, this is all – this is like – this is lap seven. So this is a lot happening. Lewis ends up staying out after the incident. Max comes in for a pit stop. Uh, he serves, I think he served the five-second penalty after because this was the same lap, so they didn't assess it quite yet. But he comes in for a wing change, and first of all, does it in 10 seconds. And, and, and Ted Kravitz was down there in the pit lane saying how he, he doesn't think he's ever seen a, a wing change in less than 11 seconds. They did it in 10. Of course, the Red Bull team is just insane in the pit stops. We know how fast they are at everything, but, I mean, kudos to them. They did everything they could to keep Max in that race, and, and they did a great job at it, so... That was awesome to see. And then looking further down, I mean, you know, we have pretty straightforward, you know, next section of the race. You know, a lot of green flag pit stop strategies, uh, you know, guys trying to figure out what tire to go on. George Russell maintains the lead through this entire time. Lewis Hamilton's behind him. Uh, you know, it, it had been Sainz and Perez, but Hamilton, even with whatever damage he had, I mean, he had a really fast car. and He was flying through the field got past all those guys and then the pit stops kind of shuffled it too so we end up with Hamilton and Russell p1 p2 signs and Perez kind of fighting for position and then we get a late safety car I think it was about 15 laps ago Lando Norris has an electronic failure car dies and everyone gets bunched back up so now you have George Russell with a seven-time champion in his teammate behind him Lewis Hamilton trying to fight him and hunt him down you have Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez, the next two spots. They're in the mix. Max Verstappen's in the mix. Alonso's in there. Sainz and Perez have been on pretty new tires, too, at that point, so Hamilton was a little worried. Um, but they, they get the restart, and Russell and Hamilton pretty much check out. They're, they're kind of running their own race. and Not to say Perez and Sainz were super far behind. They were about three, four seconds behind, but... Those two were just clearly in a different league pace-wise. Mercedes looked really, really fast in Brazil, and they just kind of checked out. And then the story became, is George Russell going to be able to hold off Lewis Hamilton? I mean, again, seven-time champion teammate. You're looking for your first race win. You got to hold him off. And he did, he did it brilliantly. I mean, what more can you say? He was awesome in the final stages of that race. He just got out of DRS range just enough. He was keeping Hamilton about 1.2, 1.3 seconds behind. And, I mean, I haven't looked at the lap times. They, they must have been so consistent because he was keeping Hamilton at just that same distance behind the entire time. So, 
that was great to see. Hamilton even said after the race, you know, he was super happy with P2, even congratulated George. George, ended, uh, as you can tell, I guess, George ends up going on to win the race. Great moment for him. Picks up his first Grand Prix victory. Lewis Hamilton picks up second. Perez had been caught out. He had newer tires, but he had medium tires, so he was kind of caught out in the end of that race. Sainz gets past him. Alonso gets past him. He kind of starts falling down the order. Now we have probably the biggest story of the weekend, a lot of the drama. So a lot of drama happens the last few laps, right? So on, on this last restart, we have... Esteban Ocon being told by his team, do not fight Fernando. Fernando behind you. Fernando had worked his way up behind Ocon. He said, don't fight Fernando. He's on fresher tires. And they were pretty stern about it. You know, they're like, do, are you clear? Do not fight him. And he, it was a little back and forth how Ocon said he wanted to get past the guy ahead, which was Vettel. But he said, you know, I won't fight Alonso. I won't fight him. So, and, and those two had had some tussles as well earlier in the race. Alonso had to pit for a front wing because of uh, an incident with Ocon. Those two have had a really rocky relationship the past few weeks, it seems, as they kind of navigate the last few races as teammates. Then, you know, so you have Alonso getting past Ocon. That kind of sorts itself out. And then it settles in where you have Lewis Hamilton, George Russell up front, Sainz and Leclerc 3-4. Alonso works his way up to fifth, and then the two Red Bulls 6-7 and seven, just kind of really couldn't make up for anything. Max had, you know, with all his pit stops, his penalties, he just really couldn't do anything. So let's start with Ferrari first. It's the lesser of the two. Third and fourth, Leclerc telling his team that he wants there to be team orders. He wants to get past Carlos Sainz for third because he and Sergio Perez are fighting in the driver's championship. Now, Max has already won the championship. We know this, but second in the driver's championship is a Really, really, really close battle right now. In fact, it is tied as we sit here at 290 points apiece between Leclerc and Perez. Winner take all, I guess, Go when we go into Abu Dhabi. A lot less stakes than it was last year when it was for the championship. It's just for second, but those two tied. All day, both of them are really focused on that. Perez and Leclerc wanting to get past guys and wanting help from their teammates to essentially make sure they were the head of the other one coming into Abu Dhabi this week. So... Leclerc, I understand it's the heat of the moment. You know, he's in the race, but he's asking his team to let signs or to make signs give up a podium so he can get a couple points for second in the in the drivers championship. And it's we're not giving up podiums here, Charles. I'm sorry. This is a little different when we talk about what we're going to get to in a second here with Max and Checo down in sixth and seventh. But you can't just snag a podium away from somebody because you want a couple points for second in the championship. So I think Ferrari were right there to say, no, that's too risky. You know, we're not going to do this. Sainz deserved that podium. He had been really strong all weekend, second in the sprint, third in the race. He was awesome. He deserved that. Leclerc, obviously not happy, but, you know, it, it is what it is there. And I think he did just about as much as he could, uh, given that he was down in last at one point after the crash with Lando Norris. So for him to even recover to that point was really good to see. And now we get a great battle next week for Abu Dhabi. And Leclerc would have the tiebreaker there. He has one more win this year than, than Sergio Perez. So that'll be something to monitor as we go into Abu Dhabi. But the big thing is the incident between Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen. Now, Max Verstappen was behind Sergio Perez. Perez was running in sixth, Max Verstappen seventh. Red Bull team comes on the radio says let's invert the cars max has better tires as i mentioned Checo's on the mediums wasn't really fast at the end of the race max was on the softs 
They say, okay, let's invert the cars. And Max, go ahead, see if you can get Alonzo, and see if you can pass the clerk in the last, I think it was five or six laps. That way you can take a couple points off of Charles and help check on the championship. Well, come down to the last couple laps, and Max hasn't passed either. Just doesn't have the pace. Last lap arrives, and he's coming out of the last turn. And race engineer comes on and says, Max, if you don't get Alonzo right at turn 12, give the place back to Checo. You know, it's not worth it. Even if you're in the DRS, you're, you're too far behind. He's probably closer to a second behind than he was a couple of tenths, which, you know, you'd need to pass in DRS. They said, you know what, give the place back. And, you know, Checo was a couple seconds behind. Max is coming down the straightaway. And the team radio was great because it's just Max, give the position back. Keeps going. Max keeps going. Max, give it. I mean, they kept saying it to him as he's entering the final couple of corners and into the straightaway. And he just blasts through the straight. And you're thinking, what What just went on there? Why didn't he give the place back to Checo? And they ask him. They say, Max, what happened? You know, we told you to give the place back. And he says, I gave you my reasons last summer. I think that was the quote that he gave. He says, I gave you my reasons. You already know what I think. Don't ask me to do that again. Are we clear? And it's just like, whoa, where did that all come from? And Checo on the radio, too, they even said, we're sorry about that, Checo. We told him we'll debrief it after the race. He says, well, that shows who he really is. So all of a sudden, two teammates who we thought were great, they worked well together. Obviously, we've seen what Checo's done for Max. Um, now there's all this commotion going on at Red Bull, and there's all this conspiracy nonsense going on and came out and obviously we don't know if this confirmed max had an interesting answer in the in the post-race press conference but there was a theory if you remember back to monaco qualifying sergio perez was ahead of max verstappen in qualifying the two ferraris are one two so this wasn't for pole position sergio perez crashes uh in in qualifying q3 final runs and he crashes signs ends up running into him and it destroys anyone else's chance of doing a lap, especially Max Verstappen, who was probably going to improve and at least get ahead of Sergio Perez. At the time, nobody thought anything of it. You know, Monaco was a very hard track. Um, you know, crashes happen. And it wasn't like he was on pole position. He was just fighting for third. So it's, it was really, there wasn't like that much to gain for Perez by crashing. He ends up crashing. Max obviously is mad. You know, race goes on, season goes on, whatever. And, and now we get reports that, this kind of beef is stemming from that where I saw tons of different things. I saw that Perez admitted to helmet Marco and Christian Horner that he deliberately crashed and that caused tension within the team. You know, there's, or just Max just think that he deliberately crashed and he's been holding on to this for months, whatever the case, I'm not really sure. People went back and looked at the Q3 laps, his first Q3 lap, you know, he kind of just, normally is the one where he didn't crash he normally took the corner you know right amount of throttle right amount of steering went in but on the one that he did crash it was a really hard stab of the throttle and he didn't really attempt to correct the car that much once he was starting to go sideways and i was watching julian palmer's analysis of this and saying you know often when or every time when you crash if you're turning one way and you feel the car go too much you're gonna just immediately go the entire opposite way turn the steering wheel the opposite way to try to save the crash well he kind of turned in and just, you know, put it back to the middle. He didn't really try that hard. Interesting. You know, obviously, these drivers are human. And if he felt like it was, you know, the walls are really close in Monaco. So if he felt like, you know, he didn't want to turn right into a wall, I can see that. 
either way, you know, if he intentionally crashes that bad, yes. It's kind of like what Nico Rosberg did in 2014 when he and Lewis Hamilton were fighting for pole and he just happened to break a little too hard and go off into the exit road and cause a yellow flag and Lewis couldn't improve his time. So, yeah, that's bad. But if you're Max, why do you care? Why do you care that much that something that happened five, six months ago that wasn't even for pole position, that was for third, essentially, I don't really understand why he cared that much to not let Checo back through. And his post-race audio to his team was essentially like, I mean, it felt like this has been brewing for a while. Like, you guys know my reasons. I'm not I'm not protecting him. Or I'm not, you know, helping him out anymore. Don't ask me ever to do it again. It's just like, whoa. It just really caught a lot of people off by surprise. And, I mean, it's a terrible look for Max. And first of all, where does Max get off with all of this? I'm not helping him. I, I can't even count how many times I've watched Sergio Perez literally yield to team orders and give Max positions and race wins and, and favorable outcomes so he could help Max win not only last year's championship, which he was vital in, but this year's championship when pretty early on they just decided that Max was going to be the guy. And that's what happens in, when you're in Red Bull or when you're in a top team and you have another driver like that where – you know, they're just probably going to back him from the start of the season. But, um, excuse me there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's just, I mean, you look at last year. How many times did he go out of the way to, to help and, and to, to defend Lewis and help Max? I mean, Turkey last year where he defended Lewis really hard and went out of his way. Abu Dhabi, of course, that time. I mean, if he doesn't. If Sergio Perez does not block Lewis Hamilton like he did in Abu Dhabi, we're probably not even talking about Max Verstappen as a two-time champion because Lewis has enough gap to just pit under the safety car when it comes out as well. Like, there's probably not even a, a question about that. But Sergio Perez backed him up so much that Max was able to get closer to Hamilton and not allow him a free pit stop. So, I, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, what, hap what happened to Checo is a legend from last year and all this good praise he has for Checo? Like, it just seems ridiculous. I mean, even this year, look at Spain where Checo's leading the race and it's just, yeah, yeah, let Max through. Or, or you know, even in the past few races or over the summer break where don't fight with Max, don't do this. I mean, the guy has bent over backwards to help Max Verstappen in these last couple of championships. He's done everything he can, even when he feels it's unfair like he did in Spain. He said, you know, this is not fair, but all right, I'll listen to you guys. He has helped Max so much. He's been the perfect teammate. He hasn't caused any drama. He's helped Max at every opportunity that he could. And one time for P6 in a race, so your teammate can try to get second place in the championship, you're going to hold a grudge over something he did six months ago in a race that you probably wouldn't have won anyway. When you have, I think I said 15 earlier, when you have 14 wins on the season, as I'm looking right here, you have 14 wins and 16 podiums this year. And you're complaining about a P6 finish because of something that happened all that time ago? I mean, dude, you gotta... I, there is either a lot more that happened behind the scenes or Max is just being completely irrational right now. What... I mean, what the hell are you thinking? You've just created this whole firestorm for Red Bull now, this whole PR nightmare over sixth place. There's one race to go in the season and it just doesn't make any sense. Um... 
yeah, uh, there's not much more to say. I think it's pretty unanimous by everyone that Max made the mistake. He looks like a like a real dick in this situation. And uh, it's just, I don't know what he's doing. Um, it's just awful to see because, and, and like I said, I keep hammering the point home, but after everything that Checo has done for you, this isn't like there's been battles with them as teammates and, you know, they're not helping each other out. Checo has literally at every opportunity helped Max. And even France last year, which I mentioned earlier, do we not forget where he lets Max pass and says, okay, let's go get these guys. Let's go get the Mercedes. Like every opportunity, even early in the season when, you know, he has the right to still fight because he's still in the championship mix. Like they're not even giving him a chance. It's just, it's just, uh, I don't know. I understand now, you know, a lot of people gave Daniel Ricardo a lot of flack for when he left Red Bull. That's kind of one of the reasons he mentioned, right? He, this is Max's team. And, you know, is was that the right decision for Ricardo? Who knows? That's a whole other can of worms right there. But I think that's a lot of, a lot of times going to be a factor in people not wanting to go to Red Bull. I mean, we heard Lando Norris who said, yeah, I had talks with Red Bull before I re-signed with McLaren. And a lot of people saying, oh, my God, why would you not sign with Red Bull? And, yeah, it is the better car. You're probably going to win races. You're probably going to do better. But you're just resigned to being the second best, no matter what. It's going to be Max's team. It's going to be Max's team forever until he retires. So you're just constantly stuck behind this guy. You have no chance of really ever having a championship chase. You could be like Perez. I mean, I think Sergio Perez is essentially the best-case scenario for a second driver at Red Bull. Max is going to win a ton of races. You're going to help him do it. And when stuff goes bad, you pick up a few wins here and there. I mean, and I think that's great for Checo, who's kind of spent his whole career at some of the lower teams and never really had a chance it's great for him to get an opportunity to win but if you look at a lot of the young talent like lando norris or you know whoever is going to be coming through the ranks in the red bull driver academy or some of these younger guys that might want to look to switch teams it's not really that appealing i mean is it um you're i mean obviously you can be a valtteri bottas and, and he was he had his moments there he had his wins and you know you can be the wingman but i don't think a lot of especially young guys want to really do that um it's just not not something you want to be a part of so that'll be interesting to monitor as uh the years tick on obviously um you know we don't know what checo's future holds he's still at red bull next year but you know when you look to maybe get another young driver in there what happens is there is there pressure like we saw with albon and gasly do they just crumble or do they get frustrated because Max is the guy and they just have no other option? We'll, you know, we'll see. But yeah, uh, a lot, a lot going on at the at the Sao Paulo GP. Um, it was one of the best races, if not the best race of the season. I think there was just so much going on from Friday to Saturday to Sunday. Sunday's race was just uh, there was just so much happening. It was kind of insane. Uh, and then again, as I mentioned, Alonso P five. He started in the bottom five. He had. A terrible sprint qualifying, again, because of some issues with Esteban Ocon. <laughs> and he started way down the order, and he just goes out and gets a P5. He's had a really couple of strong, good couple of strong drives here lately. I think Aston Martin are going to be really excited about that. Speaking of Aston Martin, real quick, as we end off the talk about the Sao Paulo GP, Lance Stroll again. I mean, he had that dirty move against Alonso in, U in the U.S. Just drives his teammate, Sebastian Vettel, like right off the road. And I love Seb's response where he just on the team radio, just, okay, 
you know, it kind of spoke for itself, right? There's not really much more to say. Just, okay, is that what we're doing now? Really? I mean, come on. So Lance has been kind of on one lately, and knowing Fernando Alonso, he is not going to take that very kindly. So if Lance wants to uh, keep driving erratically like that, it's not going to probably end well for him, whether it's some internal issues or on-the-track issues end up kind of exploding there. But we'll see what, how that goes. Obviously, Alonso and Stroll next year are going to be teammates, so they have their history, but... You know, hopefully, uh, if you're Mike Crack and, and Aston Martin and Lawrence Stroll, you can calm all the tensions over there and get those guys working together nicely. So, real quick, too, to touch on, we have obviously the last race of the year this season, Abu Dhabi. Uh, last race of the year this season. Last race this season, um, this week. I said that all wrong. Last race of the season this week in Abu Dhabi. Last two races here, win one by Max Verstappen as he looks for his 15th win on the year. Uh, and very different circumstances. 2020 was more of a straightforward win. Obviously, last year had the last second pass after Lewis Hamilton dominated most of it. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, in 2020, it kind of foreshadowed Red Bull kind of getting back up to the front. You know, that was a really dominant year for Mercedes, and Red Bull were able to pick up that last win, and it showed how close they were going to be in 2021, and they were. And last year, um, obviously, Red Bull wins a championship they go out and dominate 2022. So could be a big momentum swinger. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell have looked really, really fast, especially in, in race trim the past few races. That's kind of been the theme for Mercedes. They had really struggled on the Saturday and, and picked it up on Sundays. But they were just always too far behind by the time they got to Sunday to do anything about the race. So now they got the qualifying settled down. They've looked really strong in the race. Uh, this And with Red Bull, they, you know, they haven't looked as dominant as they did, especially like throughout the summer when Max was just, I mean, every race was just a blowout victory. They're coming back down to earth a little bit. Um, so I'm going to be really interested to see what the pace looks like for all the top three teams. I think things are starting to converge a little bit after they took really different philosophies on their car to start the year. And they've kind of all figured it out. Some of them stopped development early. Some have kept going. I think Mercedes, one of those teams that have kept going this year, trying to really figure out their car before they get to next year. So I'm hoping for a pretty close fight. Uh, hopefully this will be the first time we see the new cars at Abu Dhabi. They did the rework of the track last year, hoping for more overtakes, but still had the old cars with a lot of dirty airs. Hopefully the guys can follow closer and get a lot of more exciting racing this year. And four guys, four drivers are... This will be either their last race in Formula One or temporarily their last race in Formula One, hopefully for some. Sebastian Vettel is retiring after this race. Race number 299 for Seb. Just couldn't get to 300. But race number 299 for Seb, uh, it's going to be sad to see him go. He's a, a fan favorite and one of my favorites. And he has really looked strong these past few races. I mean, he's really picked it up at the end of his career. He's going out on a high note. He's not with a great team, but he's doing just about everything he can to look good as he ends it off here. And then Danny Ricardo for McLaren, his last race at McLaren. Mick Schumacher's last race at Haas. And Nicholas Latifi's last race at Williams. Of course, uh, Latifi going to be hopefully replaced by Logan Sargent, who is banking on a couple of super license points in Abu Dhabi. Danny Ricardo replaced by Oscar Piastri. And just before I recorded this, we found out that officially Mick Schumacher is out in 2023 from Haas. Nico Hulkenberg is back in Formula One. 
and he will drive alongside Kevin Magnuson last year for Haas. Obviously, if you know, those two have an interesting history uh, in terms of some comments made after the races that they've raced in. Um, but they had both said, and there's been quotes from them this summer and, and this fall, saying they'll work together just fine. Obviously, two veteran guys. I think that's what Haas really wanted. Uh, Mick Schumacher, yes, he's a, a good talent, and he might pick things up. But when you're a, a team on the bottom of the grid like that, you don't have a lot of cash to spend. It's hard when you have a guy like Mick constantly crashing the car. I would have given him a little more time just because, you know, what good does Nico Hulkenberg really do in terms of the long term? He's, you know what Nico Hulkenberg is. He's a good driver, but he has notoriously no podiums in Formula One. Don't expect that to change at Haas anyway, no matter who they put in the car. But, yeah, I mean, you always like to see young drivers get favored over some of the other guys, and, and it's more exciting when you get young guys in. But... It's the way they want to go. They they want two veteran guys that essentially are just going to keep it clean, keep it cheap, and try to get the best results they can for Haas. So I understand financially where they're going, but from the fan perspective, I would prefer to see Mick in the car or, or another young driver in the car. So we'll see about that. Hopefully I'll have a preview of the Abu Dhabi GP up for you at the very least, have a, a recap, and then Go into the offseason. Have some offseason recap. There's going to be a ton of news going on. Uh, I doubt that this is the last we'll hear of this Checo, Max, Red Bull story. And, of course, you know, the typical offseason stuff in terms of review of the year and a preview of 2023. So, with that, thank you for listening. As always, check out the social media down below. And uh, I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for watching.